0: Hi, I'm Billy Shore. This is Ad Passion and Stir. We're in Washington, D.C. today with Amanda Height, the founder of Be The Change Revolutions, my sister Debbie Shore from Share Our Strength, co-founder of Share Our Strength, and from San Antonio, John Miller, CEO of Denny's since 2011 and an incredibly effective champion for Share Our Strength's No Kid Hungry campaign. John, welcome.
1: Thank you, great to be here.
0: Uh, and Amanda, welcome. Hey, thanks. Debbie, thanks for being back. Thank you. Love to be here. Uh, John, what are you doing in San Antonio? Well, we
1: were uh, recognizing our veterans who served uh, from the
0: Hispanic community in the Vietnam War this morning. And these are uh, veterans who associated with Denny's, or um, separate from that?
1: No, we sponsor a uh, Lulac, Lulac breakfast uh, every year that honors our uh, the defenders of our freedom. And so it was an honor to be on stage this morning to recognize our veterans and to be part of this great breakfast.
0: John, you're involved in, um, as, as we talk, I'm learning that you're involved in even more things than I thought you were. You know, I know you as a champion for Share Strength's No Kid Hungry campaign and somebody who has rallied the broader restaurant industry. Uh, but I also just had the opportunity to read an op-ed that you wrote about investing in kids, which is, uh, you know, hunger is only one part of that. But um, I thought maybe we could start by just, if you could share a little bit of the point that you were trying to make in the op-ed and why that is so important.
1: Well, I, th- I think it's important to start early. Uh, obviously, food, nutrition plays an important role in the outcome of our whole life, but also mentorship and you know, adults that care and don't give up on the kids. So uh, the number of words you get um, somebody that looks out for your best interest, somebody that's there in a relationship sort of way rather than just a casual write a check sort of way. And I think these things matter. So in our community in Spartanburg, I'm part of the Spartanburg Academic Movement Board that focuses on zero to five and we're doing some great things in that community and I'm very proud to be associated with it. Things are changing rapidly as a result and I'd say things are very promising for the next generation also as a result.
0: One of the things we struggle with uh, on the zero to five kind of cohort is um, the same infrastructure doesn't exist for kids before school that exists once kids get to school. So Share Strength does lots of work around school breakfast and summer meals and school lunch uh, because kids are in school and we know where to serve them. It seems to be a particularly challenge with kids who are, you know, in that early, early development stage. Although, of course, you know, developmentally, it's even all the more important to reach them then. How have you thought about it in Spartanburg in terms of what you're – how to reach that, that, that group, that age group?
1: Well, the, the first hurdle to get over is to stop throwing up our arms saying nothing can be done. Uh, it's very important to get involved, get, you know, community uh, service personnel involved – uh, big brothers, big sisters, lots of agencies do lots of things for kids that are teens and beyond. We want to make sure that we start very, very early reading, getting the kids to school, making sure summer meal program access is, is provided for these families, but also for the families to understand how important that zero to five timeframe is. So in our community, um, what we've started and what we plan to see through is the ability to make sure there's access to food, mentorship, Um, community leaders. uh, We've basically gotten every business of any scale at all in our town to sign a pledge that we're going to be part of um, actively engaging our employees to serve, um, whether it be to read, uh, to make sure kids get to their their programs, uh, the establishment of early learning centers, um, and, um, you know, many other things related to it, as you can imagine.
0: And And it sounds like you've done a good job, John, of of recruiting other business leaders, which I think is so important because business leaders, CEOs, uh, they have a voice that some of the rest of us don't have. You know, mom taught first
1: grade and then third grade, you know, 40 years in total, uh, mostly in underprivileged neighborhoods. And what she would always say is, bring me these kids <laughs> when they're one and I'll make a bigger difference than when I get them. Um, and and so I, I think the, the notion that... Um, those prior generations serving like they did, but never really going in to take the kids when they're one. And so I think getting uh, people with means and in leadership positions that do have a voice involved really does make a big difference. And when people like that lead, others follow.
2: Well, now, now we know where your commitment uh, and and the fact that, you know, you're such a big champion of No Kid Hungry came from. I didn't know that about your mom. That's great.
0: Uh, well, as committed as John is, we've got Amanda Height here. And I think she's gone him one better because she's got a tattoo of the No Kid Hungry logo on her this wrist. Video. Uh, so, John, unless you're tattooed yet, you, you, you've you been a great champion. You may be running second to Amanda, who's the founder of Be the Change Revolutions and is a really social justice champion on everything from childhood hunger to LGBT issues. Um, and has really become a leader at the forefront of how you use social media to create uh, social change. But, Amanda, tell us a little bit about your background, how you ended up doing what you're doing with Be The Change or BTC as we know it.
3: Sure. Well, um, so I had 32 homes by the age of 18, and um, my father was in the military, and so I think that instilled naturally like a heart to serve. Uh, doing that. And there was also a what lot branch of. branch of the military? Uh, the Army. He was in the Army. I was, I was an mm-hmm. Army brat, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stationed all over the United States, a little bit in Germany, and uh, went through a lot of change and adversity growing up. And, um, you know, one of my passion for the work that uh, Share Strength does and No Kid Hungry does is, you know, we my, my father was a private in the Army with a family of five. So you do the math on that and it doesn't add up. And so, um, you know, I was one of those kids with the blue mill card that waited. To, to the end of the lunch line to go through because I didn't want anyone to know I was the poor kid uh, going through the line. But I uh, also know that these programs work and uh, that I didn't have to experience hunger uh, growing up. And so it was really just, um, you know, kind of developed a heart and a passion for service uh, through my dad's example. He went on to serve through De- Desert Storm later on. And then it uh, was in the industry. I was working when I was 15 years old, uh, became, uh, uh, kind of worked my way up through the restaurant industry, had a passion for that. And then I turned 30, had a early kind of midlife crisis and decided that uh, I wanted to do something uh, on my own. I had this entrepreneurial itch and I started uh, my first company. Um, and, and ventured out and just was really kind of watching social media and seeing the power of uh, social media to bring communities together and to ignite for change. So this is around the time when you saw the 2008 co- campaign and you saw, uh, you know, things like Occupy Wall Street or the Tea Party movement or the Arab Spring. I was just watching social media or in 09 when everybody went to the Internet to cope with the crisis. And so I was really fascinated by the Internet's ability to build. Uh, build uh, uh, communities together, bring them together and and really make change. And so um, we ventured out into social media.
0: Well, I love the kind of the synchronicity of you telling your story about uh, being um, uh, a child of an army. Uh, uh, Was your dad an officer, a veteran? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, John is honoring, John's in San Antonio honoring veterans today. John, you also I've spent, I think, almost your entire life in the restaurant industry. Amanda talked about like starting from a very young age, and um, same with you. I think at, uh, I think when we had dinner not too long ago, you were telling me about working the cash register at a Taco Bueno.
1: Oh, yeah, I started in, in high school. My family moved from Chillicothe, Ohio, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, consolidated Edison, bought out the little uh, utility company my dad worked for, and so they gave him a choice for a demotion, to move to Tampa, Florida, or a promotion to move to uh, New Jersey. He didn't like either choice, so he headed west to do a job interview in Denver. And he stopped over in Tulsa, picked up the paper, and saw a job opening, and they hired him, <laughs> so we <laughs> never made it to Colorado. <laughs> <So> we <laughs> wound up in That's Tulsa. Good. And needless to say, somebody in high school's got to make a pay, buy gas money and pay for insurance and buy a car and all those things. So I started in, started in the restaurant business pretty young, never looked back.
0: Uh, and... Um, I hope my son, who's entering high school soon, is going to have the same attitude about supporting himself. <laughs> uh, you, you may need to have it, talk to him. Uh, where did you start in the in the industry, uh, John? Was it was it Taco Bueno or yeah, it was Taco Bueno. Yeah, uh, Bill Wall, the founder, had just opened a place called Casa
1: Bonita in Tulsa, and I went to work there. And then after a year or so, he fired me, um, and then hired me back. So it was an interesting roller coaster ride for me. Um, but a, a job and a and a group that I really loved and loved him, and then I had the opportunity of a second chance. He put me back on in the Taco Bueno division. There were five stores, and I stayed with him up through about 175 restaurants before uh, joining what was then uh, Chili's Inc., which later became Brinker International.
0: And you were at Brinker's for you know more than a dozen years, right? 17, 17 years. Something years like that. Yeah, that's wow. right.
1: And, and wow. John, I, your
2: introduction to us, I believe, uh, through dine out was at Taco Bueno when you were running the company, right?
1: That's right. Diana Hovey, she and I had worked together at Brinker, and she called and said, I I need you to um, consider something. And when she calls, you you pretty much, if you return her phone call, you may as well just say yes. (laughs) Diana (laughs) is persuasive. So uh, So I made it to one of your meetings in D.C. And had a great time, learned a little bit more about what was going on, uh, served, spent a day in the field or a morning in the field uh, picking greens. <laughs> we had a great time together and fell in love with what the mission is. And uh, we've never looked back, been
0: part of it ever since. So, so Deb, let's talk about what Dine Out is, since sure. a lot of our listeners won't know that very basic um, you know, yes, platform yes. and Share Our Strength.
2: So, you know, for so many years, you know, Share Our Strength was – working with kind of the fine dining side of the industry so the dine out was a, a you know a, a, a an all industry effort to, to to get restaurants and chains and casual dining restaurants to participate in a number of ways whatever worked for
0: them and dine out for no kid hungry in total is probably raised close to 25 million
2: yeah i think oh. it's raised close to 25 30 million um and john miller i don't know if you would know like if i had asked you for you know, a million dollars, maybe you'd say yes. But in fact what you've been able to leverage is four point three million dollars, which is you know, which is incredible. But that gives you an idea of how powerful this this notion of not just dying out, but but finding the vehicle to engage people. They're looking for it, right? People are looking for a way to get to get involved.
0: And all of that money is used by Share Strength to get more kids in school breakfast. Uh, to make sure that they have breakfast after the bell if they can't get to the cafeteria on time, to make sure that they have summer meals. So it it plays a really, really critical role in changing kids' lives. But I think the point Debbie's making is this industry has enormous potential. And John and Amanda, both of you have worked in the industry, as you were saying, for a long time. Uh, one of the things we always think of at Share Our Strength is, as as well as we're doing, and Debbie and I were talking about this earlier, we're still just, you know, we're still just scratching the surface of what could be. But uh, John, tell us a little bit about what you think the industry's potential could be. You've seen it in lots of other areas as well, having worked in it for so long.
1: Right. I, I think it's all a matter of engagement, as you pointed out. People want to serve. Uh, it, it's hard to figure out how to get started sometimes. Uh, so having built the infrastructure that you've built at Share Our Strength, No Kid Hungry really helped me get started. When I was at Taco Bueno and Diana sent the invitation, we go, okay, I get the cause. I understand the stigma associated with, you know, getting fed in the first place. There, there are some great things going on, uh, you know, how do I talk to franchisees? How do I get started? So seeing a few successful models already out of the gate uh, really helped us get our kickoff underway. And the ability to go to your team go to and, and with a great idea Uh, Then there were a couple of other hurdles along the way. Um, and, and, And sort of, you know, a lot of companies want to do their own thing. They want to put their own label on their own charity. And then they end up raising very little and doing very little. We said, why don't we be part of an infrastructure that's been already set and do some good. And let's park this notion of me, 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 and let's do, you know, let's just do something great together. And so once we got past that hurdle, everybody really... Uh, got involved. Um, you know, of that $10 million, there's a couple brands, you know, raising a good portion of that. I'm proud Denny's is one of those that are around the million dollar mark each year. And, and I just think of our own potential of being able to double that easily if we just get everybody engaged like our top performers are, mm. and to see the need and to see the kids and, um, and to see the difference that they're making in so many places.
0: Uh, Amanda, what's your perspective on, I guess, the potential for the industry as somebody who's also worked in it in a different way for a long time?
3: Yeah, I, I think if if this industry, which is massive, powerful, influential, all came together, we could end childhood hunger in America. I think that. Um, You know, I see it from a social media perspective every year when we're doing uh, uh, helping spread the word and awareness for the Dine Out. And you see the power of the networks of so many of these brands' online accounts and and fan bases uh, coming together and sharing the word. And you'll see 200 million impressions going out about the the Dine Out. And I just think, imagine um, more restaurants, more awareness around that first year we did an activation around the dine-out like the, the dine-out map broke <laughs> like it, it crashed just because so many people are going to the site and i think that uh you know consumers like it uh, more restaurants that participate i think we could uh definitely this i think this industry alone could really help
0: um john you know as the guy who stands up in front of the crowd to persuade them to uh participate what do you think the strongest arguments are
1: well, I think the strongest argument is that we're you know it makes a difference to the future of our nation. I mean you look at the cold, hard statistics. it's bleak uh, for these kids. Uh, childhood development, brain development, if you get behind, you stay behind and the lifelong earning, then it goes into the next generation and the next. And we've got to do something to arrest this. and the investment, um, the payoff is huge compared to the cost the social cost of a dysfunctional society that struggles with education, struggles with, you know, feeding their own children and the next generation and generation after generation. So it, it's really tough. If you don't start early with proper nutrition and brain development, it, it is really a struggle. And we just have to acknowledge that. I, th- I think one of the, there's two or three big hurdles as I see it. One is, um, you know, this the first one is sort of context. You know, we're all busy doing good. You know, I don't know, I know they exist, selfish people and greedy people, but I I just don't know who they are. Everybody I know in this industry, they're bigger givers, they're engaged in their community in one way or another. And so once you sort of build relationships and equity toward a certain path, even though it may not be doing the same kind of good or have the same kind of material impact on our society that this effort can have, it's still important. And there's embedded equities in those companies and in those cultures, so you sort of got to get past letting go of this baton and grabbing another, and so that's one of the hurdles. Um, and and then I'd say another hurdle is just sort of this notion that well, we give you the food bank. Uh, our food bank has has told us to stop bringing food. We're fine. To understand the difference between breakfast after the bell. Uh, summer meal programs and the impact on children versus just having a food bank—it it, they're so very, very different. And so when you say no kid hungry, oftentimes people, even if they've just read the brochure, they'll, or just listened to a speech, they'll come back with something along the lines, you know, of what they've learned all their life or heard all their life on how to engage on hunger relief. And so that they're so very different. Getting people to understand the root cause and the impact that we can have through No Kid Hungry. I think, I think those are a couple of hurdles. And when we get past those, we tend to get more yeses and more engagement. But but I do believe the day is coming where a lot more restaurants will join and our impact can be greater.
0: So so really emphasizing that there's a, an approach that is systemic in nature, right? And in, term, in terms of like what you're talking about with breakfast after the bell, uh, alternative breakfast scenarios where kids who can't get to school early still get fed Uh, we can reach so many millions of more kids that way than we ever could through food banks. And food banks will always be important. Emergency food assistance will always be important because there are families and children who fall between the cracks and go in and out of poverty. But this systemic approach uh, we find is just the return on investment is, you know, it's it's night and day to um, the emergency food assistance approach.
1: No question about it. I'll, I'll share a couple things just from Spartanburg. We had you know, the one thing great about the work that you're doing, Billy and Debbie, is is to sort of back things up with facts. And uh, this is a time in our nation where, you know, we need that. We've got to speak the truth and, you know, tell it like it is. Uh, and don't, you know, aggrandize things, but don't sugarcoat things, right? And so the, the Deloitte research that was done a few years ago is really helpful in, uh, you know, me being able to tuck that under my arm when I go, you know, talk to other companies to, to recruit um, but we've done some of our own research in Spartanburg, the United Way of the Upstate did some work on some of our early learning centers and the impact that it was having. And, and for just in Spartanburg County, and you can imagine this is translatable across the country that a quarter to a third of all kindergartners are not ready for the first grade, right? So, so if 50 children have trouble learning to read in kindergarten, 44 of them are gonna struggle by the third grade. And 67% of the kids that are behind by third grade don't graduate from high school. 67%. Can imagine. So 67 almost 7
0: out of almost 7 out of 10 kids. This goes to your point earlier if you get behind you stay behind, right? I mean that was that's such a concise way to say that and I think you're absolutely right. And when you were talking you made a reference to the Deloitte research. This is the big international consulting firm Deloitte that did a study for us that showed that uh, in schools where kids are getting breakfast where they have alternative breakfast opportunities their math scores are 17% higher. Their attendance rates are better. Their visits to the nurse's office are down. It just, you know, it has a a, a series of kind of cascading ramifications that are all positive for kids if they start their day being fed well. Um, let's talk about the role of social media a little bit because, Amanda, this is a great expertise of yours, and, and we've used it and you've helped us deploy it to grow participation in the dine-out and across uh, a number of uh, activities of Share Our Strength. But, but I think a lot, of, I mean, I think everybody knows that social media is important, but I think a lot of individuals and organizations and activists don't know what you do to make it effective and what you don't do. Uh, what are some of, what's kind of the secret sauce to, to making social media an effective tool in creating social change?
3: Sure. it's The mindset first has to be that um, people are the medium. And too often, people are so focused on the platforms. What platform should I be on? What's this platform do? What are the tricks? And there's all that cool stuff that you could do with it. But at the end of the day, and it's what makes it so epic, and it's what makes it so difficult, too, because people are so um, complex. Uh, Their emotions rise and fall. You never know what what you're going to get. But if you approach social media from... Uh, you know, any any great ideas to try to activate online, it has to be, okay, who are the people that are going to share this and spread it? And so it's very, we focus very, like we, we call it human media. We focus a, a very specifically on uh, who are the existing advocates that already exist that are really passionate? How do we get them engaged? Who are the organizations, so sort of like with the Dine Out, who are the organizations that support this already? How do we bring them together? How do we bring influencers that are out there? How do we get new influencers? And, and you think about these single-day activations we, we do with No Kid Hungry, whether it's uh, Giving Tuesday or the Dine Out.
0: And what do those look like? Describe yeah, what so like a Giving Tuesday it's, it's, looks like. It's
3: basically, you know, it's so funny because we'll do something like that. People will ask, well, how, how did this come together? And a lot of our outreach that we're doing is actually, even though it's, it's a- executed on social. We're on the phone. We're calling people up and we're saying, hey, on this one day, we're having this one-day focused call to action. And, 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 the, and the call to action is going to be to donate. Here's our goal. Here's what we're going to raise. Or it may be spread awareness about the dine-out and let people know where they can find a participating restaurant. And when we do that and you think about it, you're bringing all of these great brands uh, they're promoting it from their their networks with m- with millions of people you have all of your passionate advocates your passionate celebrity supporters all of them together on this that's the power of social media when it's people because ultimately people listen to the people they know like and trust and so if my friend's talking about this and they're excited about it that's gonna be contagious to me I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna trust them and yeah, yeah.
0: well one of the things that this relates to that that i, I it kind of leads me to as we conclude this conversation, kind of a concluding topic, is that um, the No Kid Hungry campaign, I think, has been a good example of an effort that has been very uh, diligent about being bipartisan uh, and being nonpartisan. And I guess the question is, and, uh, you know, John, you're in an interesting position as a business uh, leader and as a CEO. Um, Are there ways to take stands on these issues that aren't political. We don't see our work at at Share Strength with a No Kid Hungry campaign as political. In fact, we think kids are something that just about everybody can agree on. But there does become a point where politics potentially intersect with it. There may be an effort to significantly roll back uh, uh, accessibility to the food stamp program, to the SNAP program, which is such a vital anti-hunger program in which we would probably end up speaking out. How do you think about balancing the kind of activism you're involved with with staying nonpartisan?
1: Well, I think there are different ideological lines, and you can—they're not simple. They're very dynamic. Uh, they're not always as as easy as far left, far right, middle left, middle right, centrist. If that were, if were that easy, we, we'd know how to manage politics. But it's not mm-hmm. that easy. So so it'll, it, that will remain complex for as long as there's people on the earth. What what I am hopeful about is that in all that complexity there's enough noise around the current environment that we're in that we we come together as people and say we've got to do better than this and and i'm hoping that that coming together you know leads us to be bigger better problem solvers however we go about things ideologically so if ideologically you believe that you should push responsibility down that people should be self-reliant i get that what about children of poor that have no voice so it's it's pretty easy to take what we're doing here, maybe not every social issue, but certainly this one, and get bipartisan support in a non-political environment say, look, we we have the responsibility. Those with us with means need to take care of ourselves to the extent we can, and then those that can't. And the kids that can't, um, we we can't leave them like they are. And so, so I think this is one of those that's really uh, not difficult, uh, no matter how you talk about it. And you may talk about it a little differently depending on your audience and their ideology, but At the end of the day, uh, focus on the problem and focus on the solution to the problem. And I think you're able to engage a lot of people working side by side. Delighted to work side by side with people with different political views, so they can be part of the solution rather than on the sidelines. And and that's what we're encouraging people in the industry to think about. We are the industry that feeds people for a living, right? This is how we pay our mortgages. So that industry that feeds people shouldn't we be involved in being the solution to ending childhood and hunger in America? If not us, then who? And, and so I, I do believe that this is a little bit of an easier task in us keeping people on task rather than allowing things to divide us. I think that's a great framework for it.
2: And we and we can't give up. No, you know, no. I mean that's that's yeah. a big part of it. You know, we can't wait for the tipping point. We have to force it. Yeah. We just have to keep, keep pushing. pushing. We yep. we have to. Yeah.
1: So um, do we have time for me to share one more Spartanburg story please. about early development? So, please. so I was thinking about this, and um, you're talking about you know, fake news. and it, When you have facts, facts are stubborn things, right? <laughs> well, they just are what they are. Uh, but you, they can be heard so differently. And I'm reminded six years ago, just about a few months ahead of me coming to Spartanburg, was this gift to our town, uh, Dr. Booker, who took over District 7, which is our poor school district in town. And it's an interesting school because it's it's um, uh, it's about 15% of the kids that go there f- are from the wealthy neighborhood, and about 85% are poor. So it's an odd set of circumstances that it's, it's a school that you normally don't see that kind of poverty and wealth. Uh, I'm, I'm not talking about people in the middle. I'm talking about completely on one side or the other, all coming together in the same school district. So it's an interesting social experiment, if nothing else. And so when the first year I went to the auditorium there for the meeting about District 7 and our headquarters is right there in the center of District 7. And, and Dr. Booker got on stage and says, I'm gonna re- report the facts to you as I'm required to report them. Now these are facts. And so when you hear these facts, you walk away with a particular point of view. The facts are that um, the African American population in District 7 scores 15 points behind the white population. So it makes you sort of arrogant for a moment to be white, right? And then he goes, but let me report it to you a little differently. The children from the well-to-do community um, outscore the kids from poverty by 15 points. The the African-American children from the well-to-do community outscore the white children.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, So this is a poverty thing, it is not a color thing. Mm -hmm. It depends on how you hear the facts. And so when you're able to enlighten people that these are our children, the next generation children, they're struggling, and they need their voices heard, and they don't have a chance unless those of us with means feed them and make sure they get mentorship in early childhood development. That's the facts. Yep. And Deloitte says it, and all the studies say it, so we just have to come together and solve it.
0: And, and, and that have they have all, the will to do it. And that they all have the potential, right, if given... the the right inputs is what you're saying that's right yeah that's right yeah um last thing i want to ask you uh each um john i've seen you do do something on several occasions now which is extraordinary which is um to add a um industry gathering to actually read a poem that you wrote and so my question is Uh, what's what's the threshold for getting you to write a poem? And did you bring one with us today? And I want Amanda to tell us what the threshold is for getting a tattoo on her wrist, because she's got two of them. And I think you both have pretty high standards, but you go first, John.
1: Well, so at at 10 o'clock this morning, uh, 11 o'clock Eastern time, I had scheduled to get a tattoo. (laughs) <laughs> but but I broke that appointment so that I could be on this broadcast today. So, Amanda, I'm, I'm happy to be second to you for a little while longer. <laughs> that, that's not true. That was fake news. Um, so, so yeah, a few years ago, uh, when I was first asked to speak, uh, I'm, I'm not a very good public speaker, and I'm pretty nervous in front of a crowd. And some things you just never lose. You might have the heart for things, but you're just not, not good at it, like Billy is good at it and others, and Amanda is good at it. So, so I like to do things in poetry because it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. And believe it or not, when people are checking their iPhones and not really listening to me anyway, they do listen to see if the next line rhymes. So I've gotten to where I just write <laughs> I write great. a lot of poems. And so I did one called See the Children. I did bring it, and uh, happy to read it. If, Please. I'd if love that. I'd love that. Uh, so this is uh, called See the Children. A tale of two, yet millions more would like their voices heard. They are the children of our poor, oft forgotten or misunderstood. Their scores in school are, are well behind the average of our land— Hunger is a serious issue, yet there's plenty of food on hand. Hello, my name is Michael, one of six trying to do my best. I sometimes fight and get in trouble. I failed another test. Working real hard to catch up math and all my other works, but I dozed off during the lesson and my stomach really hurts. Mom's working two jobs. We hardly see her. I need some help to read. Making cereal with water for my sisters. Today's my day to feed. And I'll skip tonight, or maybe not, if mom brings home a bite. I promised I'd stutter more today and try real hard not to fight. Hello, my name is Amy. There goes the bell, barely on time for school. Missed the school breakfast program again. That's the cafeteria rule. I have no lunch, don't want others to know. I help myself to leftover plates. I get irritable and visit the nurse at times. It's for me my safest place. I'm smart and learning. Concentration is easier. Our new program is going well. Each day starts with nutritious food. It's called breakfast after the bell. My heart is full of joy these days. My scores are rising fast. Someone took the time to figure this out. I'll soon outrun my past. Hello, my name is Michael. I need some help to read. The days and years are ticking by. Won't someone meet my need? Hello, my name is Amy. Everything has changed. I've, I'm, I'm learning now and the future is bright. My fate's been rearranged. A life unexamined is a life not worth living, or so said Socrates. Take measure, examine, take a look in the mirror. What's my purpose, if you please? We depend so much on others, that's clear, and others for certain on me. Am I making a difference, doing my part, or just see what I want to see? Do I see Michael, and do I see Amy, or do I see America strong? Or will we stay in this dilemma so plain, like so many generations gone? We'll work, we'll give, our hearts are right. Next year, we'll get no younger, if if not us, then who, to take up this fight? Let's put an end to childhood hunger. So
0: wow, John, I am so glad that you brought that was That was great, John. That was terrific and thank a first on, on our podcast. Um, so thank you. And I was listening for the rhymes. You're right. <laughs> it works. I don't know how Amanda. I love Amanda... that
2: line, my, my fate has been rearranged. Yes. That was a great
3: line.
0: All right. I don't know how Amanda's going to follow that except sh- to tell sh- us you've got two tattoos on your wrist and tell us about each of them and why they're there.
3: Yeah. Should have done this in reverse and ended on that. <laughs> Um so I I remember when I got my first visible tattoo and uh somebody asked me what are you going to do when you're what are you going to tell your grandkids when you're 80 and you're 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 seeing those and I, and so most of the tattoos that I have all kind of tell some story of something that was really important and meaningful to me so uh the two that I chose for here were two things that I felt uh, two causes. So one is uh, No Kid Hungry's logo, and the other one is Human Rights Campaign. And they were two causes that I felt like, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm 80, I'm um, talking to my cat or my my kids or so my friends' kids, uh, you know, I'm, I'm able to say we did that, we did that, and tell those that's, stories. And that's so, great. Love um, that. yeah.
0: Well, I'm I'm proud that we were on your wrist and that we are in your poetry. John. So John Miller, CEO of Denny, is extraordinary leader and great champion and friend. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. And Amanda Haidt from Be the Change Revolutions, um, just an incredible activist across a broad range of issues and somebody that inspires us every day. Thanks, Amanda. Love you guys. Debbie Sure. Thank you. Great to do this with yeah, you. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun today. Thanks. Get closer to the problems that you care about. There's a famous photographer named Robert Capa who once said, if your pictures are not good enough, you're not close enough. Well, in the social change space, getting close, bearing witness, going into the community, working with people directly, getting an understanding of what they need, that's often the precursor to really powerful transformational change. Don't just post. Don't just preach. Get your hands dirty and get involved. Add Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our senior producer is Kerry Thompson. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Add Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhall. I'm Billy Shore. You're listening to Add Passion and Stir from Share Our Strength.